Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, where we do our weekly post-game live streams this weekend. Hopefully, it will be a nice stress-free one, but we'll uh, see how that turns out on Saturday. But my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined... By a man who's excited for a thematic show, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Love me some themes. Like it nice and clean. It makes it look like we do our prep work. Uh, I'm ready for for a good show. I think we got some good interviews. We got we got some good notes. We are uh, we are we are ready. You know, it's no uh, no looking forward to Thanksgiving uh, hangover this episode. I think this is this. I'm excited for what the folks have for their ears this week. So we've got. Quite a bit of uh, it, it's it's a it's a, a potpourri show we'll call it we're, we're a little bit all over we've got uh, uh, we're doing our women's basketball preview taking advantage of the time uh, that we don't have a football recap to do to, to get a women's basketball preview something Kyle and I appreciate we've got a special treat for you kind of in the second half of the show so because the Thomas Finch Sports Show I think took a hiatus we can call ourselves the foremost. Texas Longhorn Kicking and Punting podcast because they had like a Michael Dixon shout out in there, so they had a little bit of a one up on us. But Thomas Finch, if you're still listening, we love you, man. Uh, but as the foremost, Internet's foremost Texas Longhorn Kicking and Punting podcast, we have an incredible opportunity in our second half of the show. Isaac Pearson, Pro Kick Australia, we're going to call him the Valedictorian because, well, that's how we feel about him, uh, is on to talk all things Pro Kick, all things punting and what he's looking forward to uh, in coming to Austin in January. Well, obviously, down the 40 and bang the drum to close out the show. So we are taking full advantage of the bye week to get the previews that you really, and honestly, Kyle and I care about this one a lot, so we wanted to make sure this happened. Uh, so we have Alex Gomez, our one of the newest members of the BON family, on to help us cover women's basketball and preview the women's basketball team. And Alex, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, man. You know, just just trying to keep in touch with Austin is all the way out in the middle of Mississippi. It's a uh, bigger challenge than I think people realize, even in this day and age. Yeah, if you if you aren't aware, you can hear his twang is just a little bit different than Gerald and I's uh, Texas twang. He has a full-on Mississippi twang. He, of course, is covering. He's the inside scoop on all things Vic Shaver and a lot of this uh, staff, which we will talk about in a minute. But he came. He was a package deal. You didn't get Coach Vic without getting Alex to cover the team. So we're excited to have you here at Burn Orange Nation and uh, also excited to have you on the pod tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I mean, I, I don't think that I love anything more than to talk about Vic Schaefer. He's an incredible guy, an incredible coach, and uh, I'm glad that he's in Burn Orange. That makes three of us. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, you know after after eight seasons, um, Karen Aston's contract was not renewed. We were curious why that that happened. She had had a really good run at Texas uh, in her time, and then kind of out of left field, the name that nobody had even thought was available on the market, Chris Del Conte, dropped the bomb that Vic Schaefer was going to be coming to the University of Texas uh, after his stint at Mississippi State. Uh, he and he and uh, 
Coach Aston actually started at the same same time at their respective schools. Um, Schaefer took the Bulldogs to th- uh, 37 more wins, which was uh, 221, I believe, in his uh, run at Mississippi State. Um, and they, they kind of grew every year in the NCAA tournament. They went second round, Sweet 16, title game, title game, Elite 8, and looked like they were a number one seed before everything was canceled. And so, Alex, you are the inside man. You, you know Vic Schaefer better than anybody uh, probably outside or with, that doesn't have the last name, Schaefer. Um, so what should Texas fans expect from, from Coach Schaefer uh, at a high level, and what should they expect from a Vic, Vic Schaefer basketball team? Yeah, absolutely. I think first that I want to start, and, and I start a lot of this, uh, you know, I was actually honored to write uh, almost a goodbye letter um, to Vic Schaefer at Mississippi State. And I, I think the biggest thing is his personality. Um, and I don't think we talk about that enough in, in sports, but especially in college sports, I don't like anything matters more. I mean, he's, he's got a big heart. Um, he gets the fans wrapped around his fingers. He packs stadiums. Um, his players love him, which is the biggest thing. Um, and, you know, I, like, again, I touch on the relationship with fans. I mean, he uh, stayed hours after game, making sure everybody got stuff signed, making sure uh, that everybody was taken care of, that his players were taken care of. Uh, you know, it really won over Mississippi State fans. And I think it's going to do the same thing in, in, in Texas. Um, in terms of what he puts on the court, um, I think the biggest thing that you, when you're talking about a Vic Schaefer team, you have to talk about defense. Um, you know, I know that it's an offense day and age and just about any sport, but his one, two, two zone is just absolutely the best defense in basketball. Uh, hands none. Uh, you know, it's baseline to baseline, uh, hard nose, hundred uh, percent, all the time. And I think the biggest thing is that it forces the other team to play fast. Um, and that's just what his defense has always done. And for some teams it works out fine. It's actually how he lost a few games that he did. South Carolina was one of those teams that took advantage of it, but most teams, uh, causes high number of turnovers, uh, low scores. Um, and he won a lot using that defense more so than, than any offense that he ever ran. Yeah. And, and I, I, I realize this trajectory and I don't mean to besmirch the good folks of Mississippi state, but basically, I mean, when, when he got there, they were not, they weren't, winning any any uh even sec titles right they were pretty much to please correct my uh statement here if it if it's offensive or incorrect but pretty much bottom of the conference seller dwellers um when he got there is that is is that pretty fair to sum up year one Vic schaefer oh yeah absolutely uh they hadn't made the uh, ncaa tournament for two years before Vic schaefer got there and they had never made it past uh, the sweet 16 ever and they'd only been in the sweet 16 once before um, they not a very rich, uh, history of winning there. Um, they had a good program. Uh, Latoya was there and one of the SEC's all time reading rebounders. But other than that, uh, they, they were not a program that by any means anybody expected to, uh, be one of the top powerhouses in college basketball. And the reason I'm curious about that is because I, I think, you know, if you look at his time, it took one year to, to, to really get him going, probably two years to get it to a finely tuned, um, machine. And then it just, you know, was a monster from there. But I think this Texas team probably has a bit more, uh, of a stocked cupboard than what he experienced there. So I think hopefully the, the expectation isn't that there's just 
throw away uh, one year this year. So so um, the Texas team last year was 1911, third place in the Big 12. Really bigger expectations last year, but they're replacing a couple WNBA players in Joyner Holmes and Suge Sutton um, and, and a couple other seniors as well graduating. Um, but they do have some talent coming back. So what do you – I mean – we talked about Vic. We talked about where he came from. What do you think of the team he's inheriting uh, year one? And we could talk future of the program in a bit here, but but right, you know, this year, this preview, uh, what's your gut feeling for for the talent level on this team with a coach like Coach Schaefer? Honestly, you know, you, you never want to go out there and, and put it all on the table, you know, before you've ever seen any product. Uh, but really, this looks like an elite eight level team. I mean, if you look at most of the powerhouses in college basketball, they're taking a step back. Um, and you look at some of Vic Schaefer's best teams. Uh, you had Tierra McCowan, who is uh, going to be an exceptional WNBA player, has already become an exceptional WNBA player. She reminds me a lot of Charlie. Mm-hmm. I mean, she uh, that's a great comparison there. I mean, in terms of offense, um, she's a better shooter than McCowan was. Um, but then you look at other players that you have on the team. Ebo is going to be great. I think she's a great piece, um, a very Vic Schaefer-like move. Um, you know, Lambert is another great piece. She can stay healthy. She's a lot like Blair, uh, Blair Schaefer, whose daughter who's on the team. Um, and also very similar to Vivian's, you know, I think that what you look at for Vic Schaefer's team and, and what he needs to win, he's going to pound it inside. He's going to do that time and time again with his forwards and his centers. And then he always has a guard that can pass the ball, which you look at Lambert and you look at, uh, you know, uh, Celeste at being that that type player. And then you have a dead eye three pointer, which for him was Victoria Vivian's and his daughter. And you look at Joanne Allen Taylor, who was exceptional from the three point line. I mean, she's easily that player. Um, So like I said, there's just a lot of similarities. He's got the same coaching staff. He's got players that are very similar in terms of their skill set to what made him successful. Um, I think the ceiling's really, really high here, even in year one. One of the, one of the things that I think, we knew would happen, but didn't expect to happen. Let's just—I can't think of a word other than like "violently" is the word that I, that comes to mind. It's like just the influx of talent, talent that, that came, came when, when Vic Schaefer came knocking, knocking in Texas. Texas. So, so um, clearly, clearly, he, he and, and his staff have it also going, going on in the recruiting, recruiting trail. trail. They're not just content to, to coach good basketball; they're going to bring in the top talent. talent. So, um, Texas brings in a ton, uh, especially from Penn State. State. Um, and, and, and Vic Schaefer signed a massive, massive recruiting class. class. So, really, I guess my question is, we're, we're, we're kind, kind of recruiting, and I love it. As far as, as like, what, what, is, what, is, what, is, what does he sell? sell? He, he talks, talks about recruiting. He talks about bringing these players, players to campus. campus. I mean, the, 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 the proof is already in the pudding. pudding. He's going to bring in massive names. What is a Vic Schaefer recruiting pitch? Yeah, absolutely. I think, number one, like you look at Aaliyah Moore, who's going to come in, I think she's going to be a phenomenal basketball player in college and beyond. Um, I think you have that, that flex, like you're like, you know, look at Victoria Vivians, you know, look at Tara McCowan who weren't, you know, four-star, five-star players. They were not even three-star players. I think Vivians was, but McCowan was one or two and says, you play for me for four years and we're going to make you elite, uh, as a player, uh, in your mind. And, you know, I, I think anybody wants to play for a winner and, you know, having a couple of SEC championship rings and, uh, you know, runner up of the NCAA tournament helps. Um, and then, you know, the University of Texas, I think, sells itself in a lot of ways also. Um, so you put all that together and it, it's a match made in heaven. I mean, if you look at the players he was able to get at Mississippi State, which, again, no knock on Mississippi State, um, 
he obviously has way more resources and way more pitching point just on the school alone and then add on his success on the court. I mean, it's, it's hard to not want to play in that situation. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned Lauren Ebo and I, I just was curious. I mean, Charlie Collar, I think Longhorn fans know from last year what she can do. She was first team all Big 12. She was um, just an, kind of a, an impact uh, from the second she stepped on campus, but really seemed to get it together the second half of last year. Um, she's a player who uh, could be a double double machine for a team, um, is, is really expanding out, taking taking the, the the stretch five role all the way through. I mean, it's not surprising. She, I think, was the number one or number two player in her class coming out of high school. So just that talent you talked about, turning one and two stars into WM or three stars into WNBA players, I think Charlie has a chance with Vic to be, you know, one of those legendary type players. But Lauren Ebo, I think, is important next to her. Do you know, have you heard anything? And this might just be me uh, missing here. I know she's waiting on clearance to be able to play. Is that confirmed? Do we know for sure if that's if she's good to go? No, it's not confirmed, and I don't think that she, she's definitely not practicing with the team. I, I, last that I heard, um, I think that there's a good feeling okay. Uh, okay. around the building that that she's going to be able to play. Um, and obviously, it's another huge piece, and especially in rebounding and defense. I mean, I think she averaged about ten points a game, which is still huge. Um, but definitely defense and definitely rebounds, and that's right up Big Schaefer's alley. I, I was just going to say, so Gerald and I came from the same high school in, in, in San Antonio, and there is a player on this team who's coming home. So you, you mentioned her briefly, Kyra, uh, Kyra Lambert is a, a star. But she actually graduated from Samuel Clemens High School, which we love to shout out, Gerald and, and, and my alma mater. Again, Gerald covered women's basketball. Uh, I covered uh, – women's basketball briefly was also the RA for the women's basketball team. So if we weren't ready to be big enough fans, Kyra Lambert is our favorite player on the, or Gerald, I'm speaking for you. Uh, my favorite player on the team coming in from Duke after some injuries set her back. She played a couple, uh, a couple seasons. There was just utterly, uh, electric. I mean, I don't think we've talked enough about how good she was uh, in high school. I think it was the number nine recruit back in that class, but just was un unbelievable um, and also was, you know, genius academic. She was everything that Sam McClemens High School fights to be. So she is my favorite player uh, on the roster. You could say now, you could say these recruits coming in, but who's the player? And Charlie Collier is the easy answer. I get it. But who's your favorite player that you're going to be paying special attention to whose game you're just like really excited to see, even if it's not this year but grows into in the next couple of years uh and what they can do in, in coach schaefer's program well one of the players that that isn't on the roster right now and they're on their way is uh kobe king huia which is just got signed today uh i think that she's going to be special i really really do uh you know it's crazy that that she's an aussie uh because Vic shaver has just this uh unique fascination with australian players uh really foreign players i know that he's gone out he's had several several uh players from nigeria um, he had Chloe Bibby last year from Australia, and and then Kobe is an Australian also. Um, but she's interesting because she's almost got like the size of a, a forward or center, but she plays like a guard. Um, and I think that that could be a lot of fun in his offense. And I'm excited about her. Um, Rory Harmon is another upcoming recruit that I'm excited to be on the court in terms of what's coming in. Um, she reminds me a lot of uh, Morgan Williams, a.k.a. Itty Bitty, that, that hit that buzzer beater against UConn. Um, plays the ball really, really close. It's like she has a really low dribble. And, I mean, it's just like you just watch her weave uh, through place. And she can get to the bat. I mean, she's 5'6", but getting to the basket is not a problem for her. And uh, just really aggressive basketball player. I think she's going to be really good in the future. 
Um, as, as far as what's on the team now, um, I definitely think Joanne Allen Taylor is kind of a sleeper. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. she had she had 18 points last year, 17 points in that range last year, and she was kind of like the forgotten one almost at times. Um, just quietly good, um, and I like that about her, and I think that Big Sheriff is going to like that too. As we got to wrap this thing up. Well, I think my biggest question for you is, you know, we, we've talked a lot about like Vic Schaefer as the coach. Like what are, I've heard you, I've, we've talked about it, but like what are, what are people, ex, should people expect? Let me say it like that from Vic Schaefer as like a person, right? Like, cause Vic Schaefer, you mentioned it off the top is like, you know, just an incredible human being. So like what we've, we've talked about the basketball, what should people expect from Vic Schaefer as a, as a leader and as the, um, kind of figurehead for this program. Absolutely. I, I think one of um, the greatest examples of, of the kind of coach that Vic Schaefer is, is that his daughter played for him for four years and didn't become her starter until her senior year. He made her earn every single minute of uh, whatever playing time that she was going to get. And I think that it speaks a lot to him as how he, how he is as a coach. He's definitely a tough love coach. Um, you know, that he benched Victoria Vivians, who was Mississippi's high school all-time leading scorer, who was arguably a 22-23 point scorer for Mississippi State. He benched her going into the, you know, NCAA tournament uh, just because of he didn't feel like she was practicing hard enough, didn't feel like she wanted it hard enough. Um, but that might have been his favorite player on the team. Uh, you know, it's just a tough love uh, in terms of the players, uh, hard on his players. Um, but they love playing for him. I've never met anybody that didn't want to play for Vic Schaefer um, in terms of the players that were on the team and, you know, girls that went to school with me. And everybody really, really loved playing for Vic Schaefer. And in terms of the fans, I mean, I, I think that he's he's got a Southern draw. He ends every interview with praise the Lord and hook them horns or praise the Lord and go dogs. <laughs> and he's just high energy. You know, one of my favorite things throughout the season is uh, the jacket watch. And, and that'll be something that I'm sure a lot of beat, beat writers will have fun with at Texas is about second, third quarter, a couple bad plays, and his jacket will be off in a hurry. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, it just it's a high-energy, um, exciting coach. You'll see him jumping around, be scared. Now he's getting up there. Might break something jumping around. But <laughs> he's a great – he's just a great energy. I, I just really can't talk to you about – you know, there's – there's great coaches out there. You look at, you know, Bill Belichick or Nick Saban and, you know, in football or even at Gino Ariema at UConn, not a whole lot of personality. A lot of great one-liners, but not a whole lot of personality. And Vic Schaefer is that level coach with yeah, 10 times the personality. Easy to fall in love with, easy to root for. Um, and I think he's going to fit in Texas better than, than anybody has in a long time. You heard it here first, folks. That's uh, Burn Orange Ted Lasso. We're excited for uh, for Coach Schaefer on the 40 Acres. Um, now, uh, last question before we let you go. This has been Baylor's conference. How many years before he knocks them off their perch? Let me say this. Um, South Carolina was, was Mississippi State's enemy, and it was Vic Schaefer's enemy for just about every time that they played him. Um, they played him good. They played him close. Um, but at the end of the day – they weren't there. Yeah, yeah. It, they his last year at Mississippi State, he did win the conference, and he finally got his first. So it took him eight years uh, to get that conference victory and to knock off South Carolina. Um, I don't think it's going to take that long at Texas. I mean, Texas showed some good fight with Baylor last mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Um, they they hung in there, and 
Karen Allison's a great coach, but I think that the level of defense, which has, I think, been the key in the games, it's never been scoring. You know, no team has ever had scoring, but it was always make that one more stop. And I think that Vic Schaefer gives his team the ability to make one more stop, make one more play. And I think that that's the difference. Um, I don't know. He, he might grab one this year against Baylor. I like it. Spicy. It's spicy picks. I don't see him taking – I don't see him winning the conference. I think he might could beat Baylor in a game this year possibly. Um, but next year, you got, you know, Charlie coming back. You have a lot of players coming back, really understanding his system, getting, you know, a, a full season and a full off season with Vic Schaefer. Um I think they have a really good chance to be a really great team really fast, way way faster than people are going to expect. Love to hear that. Um, Love to hear and that. I know I didn't talk about it enough, and sorry to, sorry to draw long, but the other person that I feel like isn't getting talked about enough is Johnny Harris. Um, yeah. Exceptional yeah. coach. Uh, going to be a head coach and a great head coach one day. Yep. Yep. And uh, the work that she's going to be able to do with Charlie and those, and those bigs is going to be incredible. And she's a great Twitter follow as well, folks. You can, you can find her on, on Twitter. She just she's seems like just the sweetest, like the sweetest human, being human being that's ever walked, that's ever walked the Incredible. There's a reason that, that she, you know, it's, it's, it's rumored that Mississippi state was highly interested. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, and there's a reason that she came to Texas with Vic. Uh, we're glad she did. That's exciting. I'm glad to hear that. And good shout out because I think that's a good one to end on. Uh, you're going to find, if you're new to Texas women's basketball, and we have a good basketball culture, you're going to find some fan favorites on the uh, on the bench, uh, in the in the players' chairs, all over that staff. There's some good people there. Follow them on social media. But uh, we, we obviously have one of the hot basketball follows in the country on social media. Alex, where can the folks find all of these gems and takes from you on the social media? Yeah, I went ahead and added the Burnt Orange Nation into the end of my name. So it's Alex Gomez, B-O-N, Burnt Orange Nation, uh, right there. And we'll, we're getting ready to fire it up with all the takes and all the, all the great one-liners from Vic Schaefer coming your way, along with Jacket Watch. I love Fantastic. it. I love it, man. Alex, thank you so much for taking some time out, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I told you, I can, I can talk Vic Schaefer all day. We'll have you on again to do it soon. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. So Kyle and I have been way more excited for this interview than probably um, most other interviews we've done since we've started this podcast. But we have the incredible pleasure of having Isaac Pearson, the 2021 punter coming in as part of the Truth 2021 class, joining us all the way from basically the future. You're 17 hours ahead of us in Australia. And Isaac, how are you doing today, my friend? Yeah, doing really well, guys. Hope you guys are doing well too. What city, if you don't mind us asking, are you coming to us from? You showed us a, a brief view of the harbor, but you said everywhere is beautiful in Australia. So, where where exactly are you coming on the uh, the land down under? So, I'm from I'm from Newcastle, which is uh, about two hours north of Sydney on the gotcha. east coast of Australia. So it's it's really nice weather here year round. Hey, it's, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of sun and, and a nice seven Austin, Austin too. too. We'll, we'll get, get to that. that. So you're now the the third pro kick punter that Texas has landed, and it seems like kind of the like the valedictorian from pro kick. Just just like every three or four years, it's just like automatically coming to Austin. Is that like is that what it seems like from the outside? I wish it was that simple, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's certainly it's it's certainly is a pipeline that um that we are really proud of having in pro kick and. It's something that, as ProKick students, we uh, attempt to strive to to push and create a legacy for the next guy coming in after us. It's not necessarily what we do while we're there; it's what we can do to to help the next guy in and the next next Aussie punter looking for an edu- 
Uh, pardon me, looking for an education. Yeah. So we, we were actually curious, right? Because I think a lot of our listeners, we do have some around the globe and some in Australia. Shout out to those fans. But a lot of our listeners come from America. They're used to the high school system in America. They kind of understand the pipeline. What is the, the daily life like while you're training basically to master a certain skill, but also balancing school? I mean, is it like a, like a soccer the other football academy kind of life, or what, what? What's pro kick like? So uh, pro kick is it's really different for um, each guy. So you can have guys uh, that that sort of know about the program nice and early and want to 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 get into college football straight out of high school. So they will sit their their standard high school courses and qualify directly out of high school. And I think they'll have to sit the SAT, and that's about it. But you can have guys like myself who you know left high school early to play a sport or to go and work on the tools like myself and um, you know, we have to go through an extended pathway. So I, I went through and did a full-time university study this year to qualify. Did a bunch of units to um, to, to get my credits to transfer over, uh, transfer over. And yeah, on top of that, we got to train eight sessions a week, full-time training in Melbourne. That's four conditioning sessions at 5.30 a.m. in the morning wow. um, and four punting sessions. Yeah, so... And they, they usually run about two and a half hours each. So it's it's pretty full on to genuine full time commitment. How did you then you said you kind of your your role is to kind of line up and, and create a legacy and a pipeline. So like how did you end up being the next one in, in the, the University of Texas pipeline? Like how did that work out? I guess uh, a situation that came out of an unfortunate series of events. Um, when when Ryan hurt his, his collarbone or his shoulder last last season. They, they needed someone that could serve as a, as a backup and learn behind him. Um, and it just so happened that, you know, the, the special teams QC, Coach Casey Horney, came came knocking at pro kick again. And, um, you know, I was I was the first guy in line. And, um, you know, I'm really fortunate to be in this position. And that's just a product of, you know, the, the coaches in Melbourne. And, and I guess a bit of good fortune as well. All right, so first of all, I love the way you say Melbourne. My college girlfriend left Austin to go study uh, at University of Melbourne and taught me the correct way to say it. Uh, you're doing the opposite. You're coming to Austin. Um, we could talk more, you know, punting, but come on, you're coming to one of the best cities in the world. What's the thing you've heard about you're most looking forward to about getting to the city of Austin? Um, there's not one one sole thing. It's, I guess, whole lifestyle. It's not just... You know, obviously, I'm there to play football and, and get a degree, but you know, the chance to live in, I think it's rated the number one city in America, and you know, all these great experiences with the live music and um, you know, the the Grand Prix, and you know, it's, it just seems like there's always something going on, and um, I can't wait to immerse myself fully in that. Yeah, yeah. As as you get into and kind of get acclimated with the group. I know, I know most of these recruiting groups have like a group chat. So I'm, I'm assuming this group has a group chat. I'm not going to ask you to, to relay any secret info or anything like that, but I want to know, like, who's, who's the, who's the personality of the group chat? Like, who's the one that everyone's like the, the funny one or the one that's always like trying to clown on people. Like who is, who's the one we should be looking out for in the, in the group chat? tell you who, who the class clown is at the moment. Um, the guys that have certainly been the most vocal are sort of, um, you know, Charles, Charles Wright, he's been the hometown guy. So he's, he's trying to try to really get around everyone and, um, you know, make sure that they're, they're comfortable with, with coming to Austin. Cause I'm, I'm sure that, you know, it's a different experience for the guys that are still in state. Um, and I mean, I've, I've become really close with, you know, guys like Jonathan Brooks and, and Hayden and, you know, JD coffee and, DJ Harris, he's um, 
yeah, they're there's some there's some really great characters in the in the group chat and in the, in the group in general. But um, yeah, I, I'd kind of say that um, you know, Brian Carrington, yeah, yeah, BC Brian Carrington's the funniest one out of a lot so far. <laughs> not surprised to hear that, man. He seems like he's he's a he's a Twitter maestro. I'm not surprised he's also a group chat phenom. Um, so. You know, there's some obvious comparisons, right? You, you you have Michael Dixon, you have Ryan Buczewski, you have the the Longhorns, but there's also some famous pro kick, kick alums around the university. And one guy who got at least punter famous, if, if not just straight up college football famous, was uh, Miami's punter Lewis Headley, who uh, I think looking like a an extra in like Con Air or a prison movie, uh, on top of everything else, just really like solidified him. And I think I heard you say you worked the tools uh, between high school. D- are you a uh, a possessor of an odd job on the resume between uh, playing playing you know and graduating high school and getting the forty acres? You know that? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I left high school at seventeen to start working as a as a mechanic in Holmwood, uh, below the surface and above ground, and yeah, it was it was an incredible experience. Very, very expensive, very dangerous machines, and you know um, it was something that I look back on and the the lessons learned with. Uh, yeah, a big small, but also know that I'd much rather be doing what I'm doing now. So, so no, no Big Twelve defender breaking through to block a kick is going to have anything on the fear of that giant machine breaking in uh, in a mine, right? Yeah, they're they're not 400 tons. I'm not that worried about it. <laughs> 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 I, I love it. So um, this is one that, that I, I uh, this is personally meaningful to me. So I'm big on slang around the world. I love, I love colloquialisms that I love slang and, and Texas is known for some regional dialects, but I want to know from you, like what's one piece of, of Aussie slang that you want to bring with you and popularize among the team and, and in the Austin area. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't think of too many that, uh, that are not well known. Um, I, I remember saying fair income to one of the guys, and that's that's sort of like a uh, like a you betcha, or a, um, like a, are you kidding? Like that's a that's a saying that we use here, but um, that's that's fallen on deaf ears a few times. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't really think of too many off the top of my head. I guess um, I guess it'll all come to the forefront, and I'll be made to look like a goose sooner or later. Looking forward to it. Well, how about this? We'll try to get you acclimated. Can you give us your best y'all in the in the in the Australian accent so that you know we know you got it down? That's a requisite to come to Texas. <coughs> y'all, <laughs> it's good. It works. <laughs> it's done. I think, but I got, I got time, right? Yeah, you, you haven't actually made it over. You're still an 18-hour flight uh, between between here and there uh, and probably a couple of months as well. So uh, you've got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time. Uh, man, Isaac, man, I, we don't want to take your whole afternoon. I know you're, you're, you're decompressing from exams and all that. But, uh, man, if people want to, like, connect with you on social media, like, where's – I know you and I connected on Twitter, but, like, what's – where can they find you on social media if they want to connect with you and kind of get ahead of the curve? Because you'll, you'll be a popular man once you make it to the 40, but we want to give our, our fans the head up and be some of the earliest followers on, on the Isaac train. Uh I think Instagram, uh, Isaac Pearson 23, I think that's just my birthday. That's no, no real specific number there. <laughs> well, we really, we really appreciate the time and we are, um, we are big fans of the specialists and we love, we love the, the Aussie punters. It's something that we, uh, we make a note to talk about regularly. So we're really, we're really honored that you, you gave us some of your afternoon to, uh, to spend some time with us, man. 
Pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, man. Hook him. Hook him. So that's the part of the show where we give some shine to the sports on campus that don't necessarily get all the attention, uh, and we down the 40. So we've got to start with the now conference champion Texas women's volleyball team. So even though they still have one set of games on the schedule, they managed to clinch a Big 12 championship on Friday with the win over number 13, West Virginia. So it was a 3-1 win on Thursday and a 3-0 win on Friday to clinch the conference. Now they can really only lose one conference series. And so that would mean that they hold the tiebreaker over Baylor, which would give them the win. So this has been an impressive season for the ladies in and of itself. But the, the stat that I looked at when I was, when I was diving through is that of the, you know, of the, what, 14 now, I guess sets that are matches that they've played. Texas has dropped eight. Four of those came in the back-to-back games against Baylor, meaning that in the other 12 matches, Texas has dropped just four sets. That is absolute dominance. Like, there's no two ways to say that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, against West Virginia, I worried there might be a little Baylor fatigue, and it did look like in that they dropped the first one against West Virginia and then won the next six pretty handily. And, and what they were doing – uh, on the second match was was just ugly. They were just dominating. Again, very good number 13, West Virginia. So this team, I mean, we're not that far removed from Texas' last national championship. We all probably saw that depending when you were on campus. You may have been there for that. Um, they've been very good a lot lately. This might be the best Texas volleyball team that I've watched. They are if not the best, they are very, very, very close to it. This is a team that is absolutely worthy of a national championship. Yeah, and we saw some really good teams. Like, we were there for, like, the genesis of really what Texas volleyball is and kind of Jared Elliott's emergence as, like, one of the best coaches in the country, if, if not the best coach. Uh, I'll go and put that on him at this point. So, like, seeing what they're able to do and just the talent that they uh, have and will continue to add moving forward is incredible. And as we talk about adding talent moving forward, uh, some of the other programs, honestly, on the women's side of things, continue to add talent on programs that are trending in the right direction. Soccer uh, was on the verge of, of uh, really turning things around at the end and then dropped an unfortunate set or dropped an unfortunate match late um, and turned around and signed the number two class in the country uh, heading into this signing period. They hadn't signed a top 10 player uh, in the history of the university. And so they just messed around and signed the one, two, nine and 10 players in the country, setting up that team for the future in, in some ways that um, are, are really, really exciting. Again, they lost some seniors, but who knows whether they choose to stay around. They have the extra year of eligibility. This is going to be a special team. If I were a senior, uh, I may want to try to just be around it. But, uh, yeah, they have some players who can instantly step up. The, the number one and number two players, both from the DFW area, one of which is like you're going to be cheering her on very, very shortly um, in the uh, in the women's national team. She already plays in all the youth setups. She's been captain on those teams. She's just like legitimately, 
I hope it's it's weird in soccer and not you know basketball that she's not a one or two and done and goes pro like she's that good um, legitimately. So uh, I think um, enjoy her while you enjoy all four of these. And I think they had even another um, I want to say two recruits. I think they had six total, but four in the top ten. Not not to uh, besmirch any of the other recruits, but uh, there's some some absolute uh, ballers. Trinity Byers again, the number two um, is the I think the number one forward. So you're probably going to hear her name score just goals uh, galore and then um, again just all kinds of talent up and down this team um, and, and Alexis Missimo is is a name that, that you will be hearing for the U.S. women's national team for decades. If I could go back and redo one thing from my four-ish years on campus uh, I would hooligan the mess out of the women's <laughs> soccer team like there would we would have scarves Granted, they play in the fall, so the scarves would make me very, very warm. I'm an already very sweaty man, but I'd still wear a scarf. We'd have chants for each of the players with their names. It would be great. We'd EPL the mess out of it. So I'm excited uh, to see that softball um, is continuing to add talent to an already really stacked roster and added four top 25 players. And women's basketball, Vic Schaefer is is the gift that keeps on giving. And we talked about it at the top of the show, but women's basketball signed three, not one, not two, but three five-star top 15 players in his first class at the university. And then he said, oh, wait, more to come, <laughs> which actually happened on Monday, the day of our recording, where they added the, also the number one Juco prospect in the country. Uh, Kobe King Hua is her name. Hawa maybe is probably a better way to say that. Kobe King Hawa uh, is the only freshman to be named a National Junior College All-American last year. Uh, averaged 27-5 and five, uh, at her in her one season at Gillette College. Currently uh, is playing at Casper College also in Wyoming. But keeping a theme going through the episode, she's also originally from Australia. Yeah, good day, mate, to you. Uh, I don't know how you say it. Kobe in in uh, uh, Aussie. I'm I'm sorry to uh, our, our bunch of friend as he listens to this. Uh, hopefully he turned it off. Uh, but uh, no, this, this is uh, this is uh, Kobe King is is ready to in an already stacked class sign just because again the name Kobe um, means for sure that uh, like we do have very good women's basketball fans and I hope the signs and the chants and the shouts just come and Kobe becomes a legend. Last little bit of, of news. And again, keeping it thematic on the football 2021 recruiting, right? The whole episode has been thematic. Um, Texas picked up a massive, massive needed commitment from uh, 2021 uh, shadow Creek outside linebacker, Terrence cooks, uh, former teammate of probably one of my, at least my favorite Twitter followers and at least the best Twitter handle, 100-yard landlord Xavier Alford, mm-hmm. um, former teammate of his. They were on that championship team a year ago. But this was a much-needed pickup for Texas uh, in a recruiting cycle that uh, really, again, Texas has recruited really well on, on the defense and in the specialist area. Uh, so it's, a, it's kind of one of their last defensive additions probably of the cycle. Linebacking being a position, guys, some of you heard this before, that uh, we've been keeping close watch on here uh, as of late. Coleman Hutzler looks to be uh, that dude. Um, I like him more every week as our linebackers perform, but as he also put together a really, really, really good class joining Derek Harris and Maurice Blackwell at the linebacking spot. That's as solid a linebacking class as I can remember, um, certainly in, in, in you know, post-MAC 
years, but but really in a long, long time. Three really solid guys who have a chance to all be really good. You said he's number 46 player in the state of Texas. I like the theme of our linebackers or explosive end linebackers uh, being number 46, whether it's the jersey uh, or, or the recruit rankings. But I have, I have a feeling that Cookie, as his friends call him, which I will never say to his face, uh, is going to be uh, is going to be a good one. Picking Texas over LSU will get you uh, some instant fans here on the Forty Acres. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, a couple years of development and, and just a monster by the time he's all polished. Yeah, we have to we have to give a shout to to the job that Coach Hutzler has done with not only the linebacker recruiting because he all three of these linebackers I believe in this class are his. So all three of the linebackers that Texas has landed in this cycle, who are all three guys that I think can be pretty quick difference makers, uh, especially with the level of coaching that we've seen Coach Hutzler give a guy like D. Overshone, who has really like did a hard ninety and turned the corner mid season to to become a legitimate really good linebacker. Uh, I'm excited. Excited to see the future uh, for these young men in burnt orange. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletic, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by our friend Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, before I get into my bang the drum, a real quick stat boy uh, to to throw it back to Tony Reale's original job. Um, You said, and you're correct, that, that Jared Elliott is a very, very good volleyball coach. Gerald how are you going to sleep on Mick Haley, our dude who was winning championships before they even let women compete for NCAA championships, won AIAW national championship, as well as an NCAA championship, two final fours, multiple regional finals. I mean, come on. Don't don't sleep on Mick Haley. Uh, of course, Jared Elliott has, has sustained, um, and there were a couple years there where he had to get it back up. But Mick Haley, my dude. Um, and also, uh, I was going to uh, correct myself because I just talked about a guy named Cookie and didn't say the phrase that um, – with cookie we're going to get the chip um being championship but it's as bad actually out loud as it was in my head so i'm going to skip that uh i am going to get to bang the drum and i'm going to bang the drum this week on one of my favorite things um you love them i love them we all love them they get people uh onion chopping eyes um walk-ons getting scholarships it's never not fun I'm glad we get them all throughout the season. Usually it's an off-season treat. Uh, but there's one particular walkout, probably the most – or walk-on, excuse me uh, – most um, famous, I, I would say, walk-on of, of uh, the past few years, certainly on this current iteration of the team. Um, yes, that's right. One uh, Cobra Kai Money uh, secured the bag. He is on scholarship. Great video of, of Tom Herman uh, calling, getting the family involved. Family got to be up on the uh, the Godzillatron um, it, in the south end zone. Um, it was it was fun. It's always exciting seeing how choked up he was. Uh, he's also you could tell a former high school quarterback because he's just got that motivational good speaker thing going on. Um, I'm so excited for Kai Money. There have been times, multiple times this season, where we've said, "Why is a walk on?" getting this much playing time clearly the coaches trust him and he had a, a you know a touchdown against utep became a, a national uh meme and name and then uh had probably the most important pass interference of the season if they could have finished the game off against ou um in the fourth quarter down there um so i he has contributed i, I he's got some growth in him still uh, we can no longer say, uh, you know, why are we playing the walk-on? I still think uh, there's some guys who are a couple inches taller, but I don't know if anyone on the team has bigger heart than Kai Money. Uh, earned himself a scholarship and very deserved. He'll have a fan, at least one, on this podcast for years to come. Kai Money is a guy who 
you know, for for went is for went the right word? Past tense of forego. <laughs> for went, I don't know. We're going with it. Some some scholarships at smaller players and opportunities to play uh, at smaller schools because he really wanted to be a Longhorn. And I love seeing guys that that do things like that get rewarded. And he's a guy who you know was one of the one of the best. Um, best players in, in the Valley at the time. And because, you know, not only is he you know, air quotes undersized, but he also, that's a, just an underserved geographic area as far as uh, recruiting goes. He kind of was overlooked. And so seeing a guy like that really just grind his butt off and really make make his way and earn a spot and earn a scholarship. It's just, it's, it's, that is literally the American dream, right? It's like, I was overlooked. I'm undersized. It's basically Rocky except college football, or it's like a better version of Rudy there. I said it, Rudy was offsides. <laughs> So I'm banging the drum this week on my my weird tension between analytics and knowing the sport. And so I'm, I love analytics. I, I'm a like I turned into this weird math guy. I had to like I had a season at work where my job was like to come up with what are what's our reporting for like I I did training and coaching and development. It's like how do you come up with metrics for that? So I spent like basically six you know, six weeks of my life diving in on how to create metrics and things like that. And so I I kind of fell in love with it. Um, and so I, I kind of dipped my toe in the advanced stats pool. And you hear me talk about it. But I saw a tweet today from uh if you don't know who david mulagetta is he is a uh he's the president of uh, the team sports branch of, of athletes first which is a uh a massive um sports agency in uh based in austin he's based in austin he's a big longhorn booster actually when a lot of people said that they were going to uh cancel their boxes because of the eyes of texas situation he was like i'll buy it off of you that's how big time this guy is but he tweeted this afternoon that uh, just in case anyone is curious, I've never had a team bring up advanced stats when negotiating a player's contract. And there's a lot of truth to that, right? I think for, for guys like us that are sitting on the sidelines trying to find trends and trying to find ways to understand the game and analyze the game, because the game has changed. Like we can't, we, there's no, there's no way around it. The game has changed. Um, we're seeing the, the game revolutionize in the sec where like things that the big 12 got knocked for several years ago are now happening in air quotes, the best conference in football. And now I think the big 12 is fixing to revolutionize defenses again, because the big 12 hasn't had an offensive regression. It's had a defensive progression there. I said it. Um, so I think that the college football new wave starts in the big 12. And I think nationally people have to deal with that, but that's a side note. So as we look at for new ways of analyzing the game, there is this there is this thing that you have to temper it with what you see on the field. And so the analytics are great, right? And the math will tell you one thing. And the math tells us a lot of things, right? We we always talk about points per drive and, and kind of two and two and a half are really your your high water marks on offense and defense. And so like there are things that you want to look at as far as efficiency goes, but there are also the times where it's just like let's not overcomplicate things. As a guy who loves diving into stats and loves looking at charts, and I, I uh, our friend Parker at Frogs of War and, and Stats of War, if you follow him on Twitter, like I love reading his stuff. But there's a time and a place where you just gotta like look at football for football being what it is. I like having advanced stats because it gives you a different view and perspective. But there is a point. You're right. There is a point where a balance is absolutely uh, needed there. So I. I 
completely agree with your take. I do think it's a it's a uh, quite a move going after both uh, Notre Dame and SEC defense. So let's see if uh, your mentions look okay this week. I love the mute button on Twitter. It's the greatest thing in the world. Interact with my tweets. I ain't got to see your junk interactions. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pre-Gamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, where we do our weekly post-game live streams. We dive in on what just happened. Hopefully it's a fun one this week as Texas takes on Kansas. If you haven't done it, you're running out of time. Enter the raffle to win the Sam Acho signed copy of Let the World See You. You can retweet that tweet. Find it pinned at the top of our Twitter profile. It's also pinned on our Facebook page as well. You can also catch me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, this week. We're going to talk about Mads Mikkelsen replacing Johnny Depp in the Harry Potter movies, which is the biggest upgrade I have ever heard of. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook up. Hook up. Put another shrimp on the bottom.